to, um, so I, basically what that looks like is just Fridays. Uh, I just spend my whole day with them, and uh, they're kind enough to put up with me and spend their whole day with me. Um, and I'm just, I, I, all I just want to say this morning is just that I'm excited about what God has been doing in Matt's life. And I'm always excited when I see somebody um, that has a passion for God's word and for truth. Um, what, part of what we've been doing so far in the internship is we've just been doing a really slow burn, kind of a slow walk through First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus, which um, in the New Testament they're usually referred to as the pastoral epistles, where Paul was writing uh, to kind of a younger guy in the faith, Timothy, and just and we just want to get that down in us. Um, uh, Matt is uh, so the, one of the things that, that Paul talks a lot about to Timothy is uh, that uh, he just says you got to fight heresy. Heresy is just false teaching, and so Matt's biggest concern is like I just don't want to be a heretic. I just don't want to be a heretic. And Friday, he shared a little bit with Jonas and I about what he was going to be sharing this morning. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this is so odd. Jonas just goes, Matt, it is heresy free. <laughs> and uh, so, but no, I'm, I'm excited that uh, Matt's willing to come and, and share with us this morning. Can I just pray for you quick? Buddy, Father, thanks for this morning. Thank you for Matt. Thank you for all that you're doing in his life. Thank you for all the good plans that you have for him, plans to prosper him, not to harm him. Um, and him and Jill together, Lord, to give them a hope and a future. Uh, in you to serve you and um, do your will. And Father, I just pray you bring total peace, tranquility to Matt's heart right now, and I just pray you give him words to speak in the moment that he needs it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. So as Eric mentioned, um, Jonas and I are in an internship with him, um, just serving on Fridays. Um, and so, um, before I even agreed to any internship or anything like that, um, Eric had approached me at one point and asked me about if I were to ever give a sermon, um, what would that look like? And him and I had been, like he said, we'd been meeting for probably a year or so-ish, year and a half, going through uh, <laughs> Hebrews, um, which is, we can't confirm or deny if it's a Paul writing, but uh, we went through Hebrews and uh, that was its own story. But um, he asked me if there was, if I was going to preach ever, um, if there was a sermon that I would, like, if there was a, a passage, I guess, uh, that I would be willing to preach on. Uh, and so initially, I guess my, okay, uh, initially I thought of like some of the more, I don't know, pop, I don't know you call them popular, but um, like you think of like Ephesians, so like Ephesians 6, you think of like the armor of God and like how this is such a great, um, a great sermon and a great sort of series to have on in preaching or um, I had recently just listened to um, a whole like a, if you've ever heard uh, listen to John MacArthur I've listened to him go through Romans I was like that'd be a very intense like um, very nuanced especially like Romans 9 like you give a sermon on that and it's this just great intense sort of theological uh, nuance um, and then I thought maybe like 
psalms, right? Like psalms are simple, psalms are easy. Um, you know, everybody can kind of relate to them. They're usually pretty positive. Um, but I didn't choose any of those things. Um, because I think that... Um, what, so, if you're not part of Mercy Hill, one of the things this year our church has done is we've done a Bible reading plan. Um, and so, that has been very helpful. And the, prior to that, in our E2, which is Equipment and Power course, we did the same thing. So, I've, I've done that once last year, and then I'm doing it this year. But, anyhow, I have rabbit trails, so I apologize. That's why I have everything written down, so I stay on my... But, anyhow, so, uh, one of the things as I did our reading plan, was one thing that, one book, I guess, in the New Testament that sticks out to me and always stuck out to me um, as we meditate on it and as we read it and understand it is the book of John. Um, and John is a very opposite of me. Um, John speaks in metaphor. John speaks in, like, these great, like, possibilities um, or symbols and metaphors, and I'm a pretty literal person, and so that's not really my form of communication. Uh, but it is, however, um, one of the books that, I've, that I was drawn to. And so um, John 1 is actually uh, where we're going to be at today. Um, John 1, uh, we're just doing the first five verses. Um, and I realize that um, probably most of you have heard this um, know this um, passage. Uh, it's a, it's a, probably a pretty popular passage, pretty famous passage. Um, but it is one that we are going to look at today. There are some things that, as I read uh, through this, and I, and I, so this was also supposed to happen. So in our Bible reading plan, John 1 was like back in March, I think, 1st of March which was when this was supposed to happen. So I realize in our reading plan, we're in like 2 Corinthians at this point. So, because normally Eric just preaches whatever the chapter is that week, but today we're going back to March. So, excuse me. Um, but, so what we're going to do, we're going to jump right into it. Um, so let's pray, uh, and then we'll read this, and then I'll, yeah, we'll go from there. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, uh, Lord, for uh, this morning. Thank you for everybody that, everybody that has come out. Lord, I just pray now as we get into your word uh, that your spirit would move among us, that um, you would soften our hearts. Lord, that you would um, draw us to you. Uh, we understand that it is you that draws us, Father. And so we just ask that you would soften our hearts so that we could uh, be drawn to you and the work of the Spirit. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. All right, so I think it's cool. It's up there. Uh, so, John 1, 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right. So, um, yep, so that is where we're going to be at today. I think one of the first things, the first questions that needs to be asked um, when you read this, because if you continue to read through uh, 1 John, or not 1 John, John, um, 
these five verses are a little bit, they're not, they're a little bit out of sort of context. Normally, you would think, um, according, like to go with the rest of the other sort of gospels, you would think chapter six would be a great place to start too, where it says there was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John, and he talked about John the Baptist and all that great stuff. But John puts in this, uh, like I said, this great metaphor um, for us in the first five, and I think it brings, there are a couple things I think about uh, God's uh, nature that we can draw from this, but when I, when I study this and I think, why? That's my, I like to process, think things through, and I think of like, why would John put in this, this great metaphor um, for his readers, I guess. Um, and I think as we, as I continue to go, I think some of those answers will come, but I think one of the things is that um, John is, how do you say that? Um, this is what happens when you go off script. It doesn't, doesn't turn out well. Um, so there, there are three points John is making in this, and um, John is setting up the rest of the book. As you read throughout John, this is the easy answer, and then at the end we'll get to the more other answer, a little more nuance. But John sets up um, Jesus as the light in this book, right? If you read throughout this John, and actually through the rest of John's writings, and I'll, we'll refer to some of them later, but John often refers to Jesus as the light, right? And so um, I think, again, short answer, it's, it's part of the reason why John starts this book with this great sort of metaphor. Again, John, not a very literal writer, more of a metaphorical writer. So, all right, so where we're going to go today, there are three points that we're going to make. Um, it's, just so everybody likes. Uh, so when I was in high school, I played basketball. Um, and one of the things that I used to hate about basketball practice was not knowing what it was we were going to do in practice today. Like, are we doing sprints? Are we doing conditioning? Are we doing mainly just like the breakdown of the offense? Are we just doing like defensive side? Like, I want to know because then I can be prepared for like, I can mentally get into that place of we're running for two hours, or we're doing something else for two hours. Um, so I like to have a roadmap, so I'm going to give you a roadmap so that nobody has to be like, oh, I wonder what we're going to talk about next, and then get annoyed, and so on and so forth. So three, three basic points that we are gonna, I'm going to try to make to you today um, about John 1, 1 through 5. First, and I'll, so there's three points. I won't tell you those three. That way you stay a little bit enticed. Um, but just so you know, there's only three. So... All right, so the first point that I want to make um, that is very clear in this is that uh, the God that you and I serve is our creator. Um, so um, John says uh, in this little bit here, he gives us a picture of two of the three parts of the Trinity, right? The Word and God. Um, you see the Word in here? I don't know if it's out there. Yeah. Cool. We can just leave that because we're not going anywhere else, so that's fine if it just stays up there. Um, the word here is um, capitalized. It says word with a capital W, right? And so um, 
this is actually in reference of Jesus. The Greek word for word here is logos, um, is referring to Jesus Christ. And in Greek, logos means um, meaning, word, or reason, or plan. So basically, where we derive the word logic from comes from the word logos, right? Um, and so God created um, the world, the realm in which we exist, you could say, um, was created through Jesus, right? Through the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, he was in the beginning with God. So we have a reference of that. Um, and so John is making it very clear here that to his readers that he is speaking of Jesus. So um, again, like I said earlier, there are many passages through John where he refers to Jesus as the Word as well. Um, in Revelations 19.13, it says, He is clothed uh, in a robe dripped in blood and by the name, and the name by which he is called the Word uh, of God. Um, in 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, uh, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched our hands concerning the Word of life. Right? Um, so, we can see, right, the word here meaning Jesus, right? Everybody still with me? I realize it's a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. This is just how my brain works. We'll get there. So, another reference to make here is that um, there is no diligence here in this passage if you don't refer Genesis. Um, I think it doesn't make any sense if John is referencing um, the creation story here and not looking back in Genesis. And so in Genesis 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and, uh, heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Verse 5. Okay, so... Um, again, so this is, hmm. so one of the things that is, I think, um, that I would probably say that I forget sometimes too, is the, the absolute power of God, um, and the God that we serve as the creator of the earth. Uh, in the realm in which we live. Literally speaking it um, into existence. When you think about how giant the entire world is, the earth, the realm, whatever, right? Um, speaking into it. Um, and I think, yeah, so God created order out of chaos, right? Um, and there's this... Uh, this is the comparison, right? So we have this space and time um, where there is darkness, there is void, there is chaos, there is black, there is just nothing, right? Um, and God spoke into existence everything that we see today, right? He gave the world, He gave the earth, He gave the realm, whatever it is to you, He gave it the Word, and everything was created. 
right? That is the creator in which we serve created everything out of nothing with just spoken word. Right? So, again, this metaphor, this comparison that John is making for us to see. Right? Well, hmm. Okay. Let me turn the page. So, here is why. Well, so, point number two. Stick to the thing, Matt. Come on. So, um, point number two is that God is light and God is life. In verse three, it says, All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. We currently exist in a place um, that was, again, spoken into existence. And if you think about it, um, what does all... mm, See, I was thinking about this. I'm going to tell you a little story. Sidebar. So I was thinking about this. And I wanted to make this comment like, what does everything need to live? Right? needs light, right? And then I thought, well, maybe that's not true because I don't know if, like, in the oceans where it's really, really deep and there's no sun, like, there's fishes and things that live down there, right? And so I wanted to be very careful to not make that comment that everything... So I'll tell you this, everything outside of the oceans, I would guess, probably needs some sort of light to live. Would we, can we make that statement and not, like, feel like I'm lying. Okay, perfect. So, anyhow, right? Uh, The picture that I like to think of is like the picture of a plant, right? Any living plant, right? Plants, if you keep them in the dark, um, you could ask my wife, uh, they die, right? She knows this because she's great at giving them sunlight, right? Everything that lives needs light, yes? And that light provides what? Well, through plants, it provides photosynthesis, and it, like, the plants take in the sun, and, and then the energy or something, and boom, you have vegetables, so cool, right? And so, right, this is the beauty of the light. This is the necessity of light, is that if you don't have light, you do not have life, right? And so, um, One of the things, um, so we'll just continue and then I'll tell you what one of the things is. Uh, So in verse 4 it says, uh, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Right? This is very simple, which is pretty basic, right? God sent Jesus, right, to be the light of the world. You can read in John, it says, I am the light of the world. Right? Jesus, the light, gives life. Right? There is, um, the light, so Jesus, when Jesus was here, and he had the, he, he interacted with his people, and they were like, oh, it's so great, and then the light, right? Jesus isn't physically here with us today, right? So then the question becomes, well, how do we get the light, the light of Jesus, 
right? How do we get that life? Because if I can get that light within me, then, how, then can I not have that life as well, right? Because as it before the dawn of time, there was darkness and there was chaos. And to, for God in, God in all of His glory, right? He didn't need to do what he did, but in his, out of his glory, out of his mercy, out of his love, out of his justice, spoke onto this area of chaos and whatever the realm was before he spoke into it, he literally spoke into existence everything that exists now. Um, again, this is, I think... Um, the metaphor here that we, that we obviously can't miss. We exist in this world that is broken, that is chaotic, and that is dark. That will come into us if we don't constantly put light and take in the light. Does that make sense? Without light, there is no life. And without Jesus, there is no life. We have no life without Jesus. Aside from Jesus, we just exist in chaos and darkness. In Romans 8, 1 through 2, 1 and 2, not 1 through, it's only two verses, but whatever, right? Uh, it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. I'll read that one again. Make sure your ears are open. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the, from the law of sin and death. If you go back again, this is part of the answer as to why this exists in this book, 1 through 5, right? The comparison to us and the creation of the world. We are, exist in a world of darkness and we live in darkness and we live in chaos until we ask Jesus to not, right? We take that light in through what He left us. Yes? And if, it, if we're not taking in light, if we're not taking in Jesus, then we are existing in darkness and chaos. If we were to shut all the lights off in here, in this, we, we're not, I'm not, don't do that. But if we were to, Right? Nobody would, and it was pitch black, nobody, you couldn't see in front of you, right? That's not fun. Right? Nobody would enjoy that. Have you ever been to a cave? One time we went to a cave, hmm, this is funny. Uh, one time we went to a cave uh, down in West Virginia, and they take you to this cave, and they're like, they take you down in, and they're like, listen, we're going to shut all the lights off, and this is going to be the darkest sp space that you'll ever exist in. There's Zero, like nothing. It is that dark, right? So they do it and everyone's like, oh wow, it's so dark. You can't even see your hand in front of you. And then the guy was like, all right, so what you have to, what you have to do now in order to, fo you can focus on your fingers, 
right? But what you do is you take your thumb and you put it on your nose and then you wiggle your fingers. Get it? And then they flip the lights back on and everyone's like, ah! It's hilarious. Uh, especially if you don't do it because you know what's happening, right? Then you get to watch everybody else making silly faces, right? That darkness, no matter what, when that light came on, went away. Yeah? There is, okay, so we have to get to the next, and then, um, other places, so um, I told you earlier that I would tell you some other references where John references Jesus as the light, so I'll do that now. So in John 8, 12, it says, uh, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but I will have light. Uh, I will have the light. They will have the light of life, right? Uh, John 46, 12, 46 says, I, I have come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And then in John 12, 35 and 36, uh, just the first half of 36, uh, so Jesus said to them, this light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have light, lest darkness overtake you. Um, the one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of the light. Literal sons of Jesus. Okay. Glad we're all still, okay, we're all still here. Perfect. Final point. Perfect. This is going swimmingly. Last point um, is that God is sovereign. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Um, the beauty of all... So, before we get into this point, another little... I feel like that's not good, but... Anyhow, so, um, as I was preparing for all of this, and we were talking about um, how to sort of put everything together and the verbiage to use, and um, it, would make, it would have made much more sense for me to say that um, point number three is um, God is the victor, God overcomes, however you want to say it. Right? Because in the verse it says the light does not, the darkness does not overcome it. However, um, we're going to stick with sovereign. Because uh, I think that, okay, so, in the end, no matter how dark that cave got when me and my now wife went down there, and they flipped all the lights off, and it was as dark as it could be, in the end, if you shine a ray of light in there, the darkness has not overcome the light. There is no amount of darkness that will ever be able to overcome any amount of light. Yeah? There is absolutely 0% chance that any darkness will remain if we have light. Um... So, God is sovereign because God sent Jesus. Jesus is the light. The light is the life. Right? 
So there is, um, there is much, much to say about the sovereignty of God. Um, it is not something that we are going to delve a whole lot into in terms of um, everything. However, here's what I want to say about the sovereignty of God. And here's why I think is important. Um, why I know it's important is because part of the reason of making this comparison with um, the creation and John's readers now, part of that um, <clears throat> is to let us know, let John's readers know, the people back then, that Jesus didn't just come on the scene in, I don't know the historical time, that's my bad, but when he was born in Bethlehem. Gee, that was not the first time that Jesus was in history. Jesus knew in the beginning, when God created everything that you see out of darkness through spoken word, Jesus knew that at the end, like, knew his purpose was going to have to be what it was. Right? This is what makes it really, really good news is because, think about that. If you knew at the beginning, okay, so let's shrink the time frame down, I guess. And let's say um, at 15, you knew that when you turned 45, that you were going to be crucified. Anybody here willing to do that? That's a pretty, I don't know, weird process to think about. At the beginning of time, Jesus knew that he was going to have to do what he did. He knew that we were going to sin. He knew Adam and Eve were going to fall. He knew that the prophets would have to fight against kings. Right? And he knew that he was going to have to be the only answer for anything, for this beautiful creation in which he made. The only way for him to be able to enjoy it when he comes back was that he was going to have to give his life so that we could be there. Right? That he was going to have to, he would have to suffer the wrath of God. The God who spoke everything into existence knew he would, that we knew we weren't going to be able to handle it, and knew he was going to have to suffer that wrath, so that at the end of the time, at the end of the day, we would be able to enjoy paradise, enjoy heaven with him. Right? The sovereignty of God is that He is 100% all of His attributes all of the time. And because of that, His will, everything that will happen, sorry, that was weird, everything that will happen, everything that has happened, everything that's going to happen, right? It's all within his plan. This is all part of 
God's own will. God doesn't allow things outside of His will to happen. Does that make sense? Like, it's hard for us to grasp this because so many things happen outside of my will. I try to control, well, I don't anymore, but I, there was a point in time in my life where I tried to control everything around me. Right? It's an exercise in futility because I can't control it all. So then we just say, well, then these things happen outside of God's will because I can't control everything. And so then how can God? Right? It's not how it works. The sovereignty of God is that every single thing that happens, He knows about and He allows then the question is, well, then why would he allow this? Right? Like, isn't that, like, why let bad things happen? Why not just make everything, like, I don't know, peaches and cream? Isn't that the thing? That's kind of good, but... The <laughs> it's, a good, it's a valid question. Right? And Paul addresses it in Romans a little bit. Um, I didn't, anyhow, who's the potter to ask? Who's the clay to ask the potter? Why is I made this way? Right? I think that's Romans 9. Don't quote me on it. Um, right? It, it doesn't matter. When we ask ourselves, why does this stuff happen? We're asking ourselves the wrong question. The question isn't, why does this happen? The question is, how do I take whatever's happening in my life and use it to glorify God? Right? Because that's all that really matters at the end of the day, right? Like, how much, like, how much glory do you think the guy, the person, the, the creator of the world, the realm, the existence in which we live. I can't speak, I can't speak anything into existence. It would be great if I could. <laughs> that would be so cool. I can't do it though. But if I could, I'd probably deserve some sort of like, recognition. Right? And you don't get to ask me why. And I, I can't do that. So let's... The creator of life who knows and wills everything that happens in the existence of time deserves every bit of your glory, of your praise, and of your honor. I think I said that right. Is that right? Okay. Right? Like, it just, just think about it for like a second. Right? I can't tell this microphone, don't be there. That'd be so cool. I can't. Right? God could, is sovereign and, and holds everything within his hands. Right? Like, um, I didn't... Okay, think of Job. Right? Everybody knows the story of Job? Right? Satan had to ask Job if he can do those things to him. Does that make sense? Right? Like Satan had to ask him if I can do all these things to Job. Job said, God said yes, just spare his life. 
Nothing happens outside of the sovereignty of God. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. There's nothing else. Like, okay, so, why do we talk about the sovereignty of God when we're talking about God is the creator, God is the life, and the light, and this, right? Because the importance of all of this, right? So, um, it's hot up, like, it's warm. It's a jacket. <sighs> so, why do we talk about all of this? Well, so this is the part. Um, this is a part of the sermon where, in preparing, Eric said, you have to tell them a little bit about yourself now. And I said, <laughs> maybe. But we will do that because... Um, I think it's probably can be helpful. When we live in chaos and when we live in fear, darkness, chaos, everything that goes on in this world um, ev evokes some sort of fear response. Whether it is um, current events, whether it's past events, whether it's the thought of future events. Fear is what is evoked, yes? When you think about um, something I might ask you to do, like if I were to ask my wife to come up stage right now, that would probably evoke some sort of fear response. And then she would not be super pumped, right? Everything creates some sort of fear. This darkness, we'd turn off all the lights and you don't know what's happening, creates darkness. Darkness creates fear. Yeah? Um, four years ago, I think. I don't know, three years ago. Uh, when I was in school, um, I did, um, after high school, I did two years of school in Kansas. And then I did two years of school at Hiram. And then I did... I think it was three and a half at Malone. Uh, three and a half years of school at Malone, uh, where I got my uh, master's degree and what I do now. And so, uh, anyhow, during that time, there was a lot of um, things to do. Uh, if, you've ever, if you ever go through a master's program, of school, um, you will have a lot more things to do than you probably have bargained for, um, whether it's schoolwork, whether it's life work, whatever it is. Um, this, the thing that happens with fear is that fear is much like, I don't want to use that, fear is consuming. Has anybody here ever seen like, no, that's not, nope. We're off the script, so at this point, uh, I didn't struggle to get the examples. Um, fear is consuming. When I live in fear, I'm consumed by my fear. I do whatever it is I have to do to make it go away. Yeah? Uh, so I 
was living in lots of fear. Um, I had, I don't know, I had uncontrollable anxiety, you could say. Um, I didn't sleep much, not more than a couple hours a night. Um, and I didn't have like a family. This was before I even met my wife. Um, I didn't sleep much. Um, I didn't eat good. I exercised, which was cool. Um, but I always had that in-your-gut feeling. Anybody here ever get like the tension in your stomach? Right? The anxiety of what could happen, what might happen. Right? It's daunting. You can't... Well, and then the way that the brain works is you do brainstem, limbic, and neocortex. Ooh. Uh, the way that your brain works, you can't just outthink anxiety, right? Have you ever been like really anxious about something and then someone's like, oh, hey, like, just don't be anxious. It's that simple, right? Doesn't really work that way. And so you just sort of live in this fear, right? At least I was. I lived in this fear for, oh, couple years, most, most, mostly through my entire master's program and then probably the year or so after that. Um, and actually, I can tell you when it stopped, uh, or when it started to change for me, was when I started to attend Mercy Hill. And we met over at the old theater. And I think we were in Luke at that point. Like, it was like the last six months of the two-year plan of Luke that we were going to. <laughs> right. Um, but I've, I've started coming to Mercy Hill, and I'm not saying Mercy Hill like makes anxiety go away or makes fear go away. That's not the point, purpose of this story. Um, but when I did start attending Mercy Hill, I did start meeting pretty there, shortly thereafter with Eric. Um, and we started getting into the Word. Uh, <laughs> we started getting into the Word. Uh, we started um, actually spending time in the Word. Um, and as you notice as that happens, um, or I noticed as that happened, my anxiety and my fear began to become less and less. Um, and it wasn't like we were doing anything special. Like, we would meet for a couple hours and, and go through Hebrews. Like, that's truly all it was. Like, that was the extent of it. There was nothing, like, very intense, right? Um, and then, after that, so uh, we started doing that, and then I joined, then we started talking about E2 and what that might look like and coming up with what that course is. Um, and Eric let me in on what that would look like. And then, obviously, he was like, hey, like, you should do it. And I was like, ah, no, really. Anyhow, uh, I did it. And it got even better, right? Because we have this reading plan. We have, and this is, the, this is, this is where I cannot express those of you who come here on a regular basis who have a church leadership who are willing enough to give you and care and shepherd enough to ask you and give you tools to be in the Word through a reading plan like what we do, you are, 
You are blessed beyond you probably even know. Because the important, like, so once you start doing that, you start, um, so we do the look journal, we read, we read, so you read the chapter, then you look journal, uh, which is this little couple steps on how to, you know, spend some actual meditative time on the scripture, uh, and then you pray. And as you do this, right, the light becomes living within you. Right? And as the light becomes more and more real and more and more living within you, the darkness dissipates. Right? The fear, the chaos, it begins to remove itself because light and dark can't exist in the same like physical space. Right? You can't be in a dark room, turn on the light and say, I have a light in a dark room. You either have a light room or you have a dark room. It's pretty dichotomous, black and white, right? As we allow and we spend time in this, right? This is where your light comes from. Not this, I mean this one, but other ones, right? The Bible. As you spend time in the Bible, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time understanding this, that light comes within and life comes with that light. An entirely new life, right? Because you can start to then trust the sovereignty of God. You can start to trust that um, everything that's happening, right, God understands and God has willed it to happen. He has allowed it to happen. I can some, there is some way that I can give God glory for whatever it is that's going on. Right? We serve a supernatural God. We serve a God who can speak into existence an entire realm. Right? We can let that light and become life within us. We just have to... Right? Once that's there... Watch the chaos go away. Watch the darkness leave. Watch the fear leave. Life is completely different, right? Because you're, you're not in fear anymore because God's sovereignty has given you comfort. Right? Because if you don't have to worry about it, because God's in control, because you serve a sovereign God who you know you can... Excuse me. Um who you know is allowing whatever's to happen, whatever's happening to happen. Right? Good, bad, or ugly. Right? God, has a, God is sovereign and will work it all out for his, for his will in the end anyhow. My job is to give Him honor and to praise Him and to do what He's asking me to do, but I can't know what He's asking me to do if I'm not even seeking the light of what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Right? The light at the end of the tunnel. Right? That's, no one sees the light at the end of the tunnel and turns around and goes the other way. Right? You go towards the light. Right? I want to be seeking that light. The light's in here. It's very simple. Right? So. Um, yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, worship team.
Probably always want to say that. Worship team, if you could come up, that'd be great. <sighs> I'm going to leave you all um, with three questions. Uh, I didn't write them down. I didn't write them on the thing. I don't. I have them written down here. This was after uh, my script was written, and so. Um, but here are my questions. My first question to you is, uh, what does chaos and darkness look like in your own life right now? What is the fear? What is the anxiety about? Can you truly say, as you allow this darkness to exist, that I'm trusting in my sovereign God to deliver me. So question one, what does darkness slash chaos look like in your life? Question number two, what is the light in your life that you're looking for? Sometimes we like to think like um, money, that's the light that will give me what I need or the things that I have that will give me what I need, or as Eric so eloquently pointed out last week, nice houses with nice yards with straight lines mowed twice a week so you get like the Argyle look. Is that the light that I need? What's the light that you're sort of chasing after? Because if it's not coming from here, it's probably not the light that you're actually chasing. Third question, and this is it, and then I'm out of here. Um, do you believe that God can change you? If God can speak into the existence of realm, do you truly believe that the sovereign God in which we serve has the power to change you and to draw you to Him. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much uh, for Your Word. Um, thank You for every single person that is here. Lord, I just pray uh, as we go from here this morning that um, we would continuously seek You. Father, that we would um, live in the comfort of your sovereignty and in the light, Father, and experience the life in which you bring when we allow it, Father, when we seek after you as you draw us to you. I ask all these things in your name. Amen.